Headquarters to all units. Headquarters to all units. All units stand by for On Patrol with the PPD, airing now on WTBR 89.7 FM. Good morning, and thanks for tuning in to another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM, Pittsfield Community Radio, simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television. My name is Mike Wynn. I'm the chief of police here in the city of Pittsfield, and I am also one of the co-hosts of this weekly radio production. I am Skyping in this morning from my uh, basement lair in studio this morning. We've got uh, Lieutenant Gary Traversa. Good morning, Lieutenant. Good morning. And, the board here. and one of our cadets. Nick, I can't see you. Say good morning. Good morning, sir. All right. It's a Friday, and it is a busy, busy news cycle, but I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about uh, news items because I actually want to get into the, the meat of this conversation. Uh, but we would be remiss if we didn't look at some of the, the hot topics of the day. I think probably the hottest topic that everybody is interested in is we've got a uh, – uh, FDA or not yet. We're on the verge of having an FDA approved vaccine for the COVID-19 virus. That's just good news for everybody. Uh, the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, and then the other thing that I, you know, found in the news cycle last night that I'm excited about fellow Taconic High School graduate, Stephanie Wilson is going back to space. She's on the Artemis team. She's going to be going to the moon. That's pretty cool. It's really cool. Uh, yeah. And then two quick little items, and I'm not going to get into any detail on them. You can uh, go check out the stories. Uh, one is is an action with the city council this week uh, in response to the decision last month from the Parks Commission to address homelessness and the homeless encampments in Springside Park. And obviously people believe or, or are under the impression that because they – the Parks Commission made a decision that they were going to start strictly enforcing the parks regulations on December 1st, that that's a police matter. Uh, it, in fact, is not a police matter. Uh, we were pretty vocal in our position with the um, representatives and other city departments that that is something that it needs to be initially addressed by service providers and, and parks and open space. And only if they're unsuccessful in their efforts to relocate people does it then become a police matter. Um, homelessness is not a crime. It should not be criminalized. And we should not be the, the base of efforts to relocate people from city parks into shelter or other housing options. And we're not going to be. We'll only do that if it then tips the scale and becomes criminal behavior, criminal trespass or harassment or vandalism or something else. And then the last item I want to talk about from the news cycle, and I'm sure this is something that people um, saw yesterday with either great jubilation or great regret, but, you know, it's it's movement. Governor Baker returned the police reform bill to the legislature with requested and suggested amendments. And um, we don't have enough time today to get into the, the details of that lengthy bill that came out of conference committee and, and the lengthy governor's response. But as a police officer and a police chief, I just want to personally thank Governor Baker and Lieutenant Governor Polito and their staff for 
what I think is a very reasonable and balanced request back to the legislature to A, slow this process down, and B, take the interests of law enforcement professionals into consideration before we before we move down this path. I, we, we need to do the police reform bill, but it needs to be balanced and it needs to be reasonable. And what came out of the conference committee was not. So thank you, Governor Baker, and to all of your staff members for spending the time to review the bill and suggest some amendments. And hopefully, you know, I was in a chief's meet, emergency chief's meeting yesterday, and the the tone was not great, but it was positive. And as outgoing chief uh, President Farnsworth and ingoing President Dunn said, we may not be happy but the governor's language we can live with. So hopefully um, our legislators will will see the governor's response and take action on the governor's response and we can move forward in the Commonwealth. All right, that's enough of the news cycle. Lieutenant, wanna talk about some contact rate? Yeah. Um, how, the heck, how the heck does the police department get involved in contact tracing? That's it. <laughs> That's an interesting story, isn't it? It's a great story. <laughs> well, it, you know, where do we start? It, it, so I guess we start with just the fact that we became aware of how um, overwhelmed the health department became with the second wave, and um, you know there were some messages that were sent out explaining, you know, why there were certain delays and, and that they were sort of reeling with. And it, I would imagine it's like this all over the country. You know, the health departments are just inundated. I think we probably need to start a little before that, right? So, uh, Nick, introduce yourself. Good morning, Chief. I am a career student officer here at <laughs> Police. Good intro. <laughs> I got into contact tracing because, like you said, they're overwhelmed. And I definitely think I'm contributing more there into the community now uh essentially um, go ahead uh, chief i'm sorry so for our listeners and viewers tell everybody because you've been on the program before but this is kind of a different capacity tell everybody who you are and uh, what your current status with us is i am a student officer who unfortunately was not able to go to the academy i'm waiting to do that still uh essentially i got injured and I'm recovering now and hopefully getting much better and I'm here to help. <laughs> so uh, so I'll, I'll jump in a little bit here too, because, um, you know, I've been familiar with, with what Nick's been doing. He's, you know, he's, he's been in that pre-academy, um, stage for, um, you know, probably a year, a little more. And, and that's not necessarily abnormal because the academies are six months. So it's, you know, we have, a window um, every six months to get them in. And, you know, unfortunately, um, you know, the injuries have, have kind of held them back. So what happens in the meantime is um, Nick gets assigned uh, to the operational support division um, and and we plug him into wherever the needs are. In, in an agency uh, as busy as we are, there's a lot of needs and he fills a lot of holes. So and, the, this... This is the part that I, I wanted to to flush out a little bit and get to. So, because this is kind of a 
a recent, a comparatively recent development for the Pittsfield Police Department, right? So we've talked about civil service on this program in the past, and, and we've talked about our hiring process, and we had Nick on in the past to talk about it. But essentially what happens is we identify qualified and eligible candidates, and we get them through the background check. And then, like you're saying, Lieutenant, we got to figure out when that's going to coincide with an academy start date. And so generally speaking, about two weeks before an academy start date, we onboard an employee. And they're, they're what we consider to be pre-academy student officers or cadets. And historically, if something happened to someone in that status, either during that two-week period or during the course of the academy, we would sever our relationship with them. We would terminate them. And what we realized several years ago is that's just we can't sustain that anymore. One, the civil service process is too cumbersome and and the process is too lengthy. And we invest a considerable amount of time and money in these employees to get them to that point. Just letting them go doesn't serve anybody's needs. So we've kind of created this pool of pre-academy, in-academy, interim academy employees they're potential police officers, but they haven't completed the academy, so they're not sworn police officers. So they end up in OSD, operational support, right? And thank God, in 2020, thank God we've had them, right? Because all kinds of things like LTC fingerprinting or solicitors fingerprinting. Manual labor. Or <laughs> manual labor. <laughs> or this, right? This situation, right? So, go, Lieutenant, going back to your intro, um, and I don't even know, It's it was... Well, we can use Halloween, right? Dr. Colbert couldn't join us this morning, but he's spoken in the past. It was really Halloween weekend that we started to notice this this change, this upward trend in positive cases and, and infections in the community. And the health department, public health, got slammed. Um, so, Lieutenant, you're, you're kind of one of our points of contact, you and Lieutenant Bradford, with public health for when we think that we have a potential exposure in the department and what we have to do to get our people tested and get them cleared to come back to work. And we've been blessed, right? I mean, we've we've been like 12 to 18 hours in some good cases to get our test results back. That's up right now to 24 to 36 with, with additional testing in the community. Um, but there was a there was a brief period of time when like we couldn't get a test scheduled for a couple of days just because public health was so overwhelmed. And so the uh, I don't even remember how it's I think I was in a um, I think I was in a Zoom session with the mayor's coronavirus task force. And, you know, poor Kayla, Kayla Donnelly, who you know, <laughs> is our lead public health nurse. And shout out to, to Kayla, because not only is she our lead public health nurse, but she is the daughter of uh, one of our fallen and, you know, legacy. We you know she's she's PPD blue through and through. Um but Kayla was was overwhelmed. Director Armstrong was overwhelmed. Dr. Kohlberg was was, you know, he was always upright and positive and chipper. He was looking like he was on the ropes. And uh, the question was, how do we get more people spun up and trained up to do contact tracing? And I was like, well, maybe I can send you a cadet. Right. Maybe we can send you a pre, a pre academy student officer. Um, and you reached out, Lieutenant. And they were like, we'll take whatever help we can get. <laughs> so, Nick, yeah. how long has it been that you've been over there? I think about two weeks now. 
it's definitely been an interesting experience. Yeah, it was the I, Friday right before Thanksgiving, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah. So I'm I'm curious because I don't know anything about contact tracing except the words contact tracing <laughs> uh, and and the brief reports that we get from public health when they're applying contact tracing to our employees. How does one take a prospective police officer and spin them up, train them up to be a public health contact tracer? Hours of webinars. (laughs) (laughs) Webinars. Yeah, there's a lot of training online now. Obviously, with the coronavirus, you can't really do it in person anymore. You can't really sit next to someone and have them walk you through it. I did that for a little bit just to get an introduction to it. But after I get the guidelines and sort of a script, I kind of just jump right into it. And uh, it's just phone calls after phone calls all day. So you talk to people, you figure out where they went, who they, who they talked to. Then you call that person, figure out potentially who they talked to. So it just goes on and on. You're building a tree. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's like remember those books choose your own ending from when we were a kid lieutenant yeah right scenarios. yeah this this sounds like the ominous branching scenarios yeah <laughs> i think you i've decided, read one of those a long time ago you decided to have dinner in a local restaurant <laughs> you a ate by yourself b ate with a member of your family c ate with seven members of somebody else's household <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> um so nick this is I was thinking about this last night after the lieutenant confirmed that you were going to be able to join us today. And this is not intended to be a criticism of any of our people, but you're a prospective Pittsfield police officer, right? You want to be a cop. Of course. And and 2020 has led to a lot of conversations about why people become police officers, how people become police officers. And not only are you a prospective police officer, but you're a police, you're a prospective police officer who is all, has already suffered some adversity in your career, right? Like you're you're certainly not doing what you hoped and wanted to be doing, um, but you're pushing through, right? You're you're That's pushing right. through. It's not. It's definitely and, heartbreaking. Four days before the academy to find out you have a fractured leg. <laughs> and and I want to give you a shout out because many people, you know, I, I will go out on a limb and say including some of our own people when faced with that kind of adversity they would get bitter they would get angry and if if they were in a bitter and angry position when they suddenly got this new assignment that has nothing to do with law enforcement they would protest and you didn't you were just like okay you know i'm i'm here and like you said i can help so i want to talk about that a little bit because it's admirable it's commendable that you know, the lieutenant um, basically said, you know, we got this requirement. We got this request. We're going to ship you over to the health department. Oh, and you just went. told. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you, but, but you went, right? You didn't protest. Absolutely. Didn't uh, You didn't make a big scene. There wasn't any drama. So talk about that a little bit. Why? Why did you just quietly just take this assignment and, and go over to 100 North? Well, one thing is I definitely like to learn new things, and I like to keep it interesting. And that's one of the reasons I want to get into law enforcement, because every day can be different. At contact tracing, it can get a little mundane with the calls, but every once in a while it can get very interesting. 
people will <laughs> people can be abrupt or they just don't want to take your call but you know you have to talk to them so that's where i'm going to disagree with your, your statement chief that it has nothing to do with law enforcement yeah clearly it does i was going to say <laughs> because <laughs> because you're you're resolving conflict in a way you have right? to build rapport with your cases and contacts so yeah lieutenant i think that that's probably a great point because well, this is probably not where Nick expected to find himself or where he wants to be at this stage in his career. I have every confidence in the world that this experience is going to better prepare him. It already yeah. has because I like I took a phone call about a week ago, and I can tell I just was not getting to this person. And though I was choosing the wrong words, wasn't exercising my ver verbal judo. <laughs> <laughs> and you know this is this is something that that Gina Armstrong and I had discussed when we were you know kind of going back and forth and, and making the arrangement. She said, you know, it's this um, this is is probably not going to be something he's used to um, because there it can be difficult at times. Kind of you know referring to the, the the occasional conflict. And I said, well, that, I can't think of a better way to train <laughs> at this point. Right. In some way, I was prepared because before I worked here at the police department, I worked at a casino, and we could take hundreds of calls. Yeah. They were quick. Sometimes they, were, they could go on for 20 minutes, 30 minutes. So at least I'm used to that aspect of just picking up the phone and putting it down constantly. Right. Yep. I think prior to 2020, um, you know, when we thought about the 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 silos of public safety and public health they they didn't intersect or at least in my mind they didn't intersect all that often i mean there were things that we did to support the health department but we certainly weren't in in practically daily contact and we had different missions and i think that um you know with the exception of things like you know debating the regulations over smoking in in city parks or changing our response to reports of um, discarded needles, uh, it, it wasn't really, it wasn't really integrated, and the coronavirus has definitely changed that. Right, like public safety and public health are now pretty much the same mission, at least when it comes to um, to our responses to the virus, and that's led to some miscommunication and a lot of confusion. Like I, I was going through my, I was in the office yesterday. I was going through my inbox and I found a piece of paper at the bottom of my inbox that I had like reshuffled and refiled down there probably from September. And it, the piece of paper was a letter to the editor uh, that I printed out because I read it and I was angry and I was like, I'm going to write a response to this. And then we got busy and I never did. But essentially it was a, it was a resident criticizing the police department's response to mask usage in retail establishments, right? And the the author of this letter is like, I read the governor's order, and the governor's order says this is enforced by the police department. And and that is an interpretation of a previous governor's order. But it was not in fact the case, right? The governor's orders have always clearly said this is a public health situation, this is a public health emergency. It's local boards of health who have principal responsibility for enforcement, and if necessary, they can be assisted by state and local police. And so that's the governor's order. It's a, it's kind of like across the entire Commonwealth. 
But it's up to local boards of health to decide how that gets done in every individual municipality. And the decision of our administration and of our board of health has been education before enforcement and health inspectors before police officers. And so the caller's point was that he was aware that somebody had called 911 because they saw somebody going into a retail establishment without a mask. And we didn't dispatch a police officer. No, we, we didn't, and we won't. We'll take that call, and we'll send it to public health. And if it's a Monday through Friday during business hours and health is working, they'll send an inspector. And if it's after hours, then we might send a police officer. But the enforcement action is going to come from the Board of Health and the, and the health department, not from the police department. Like Even if we respond... We're going to document it, identify people, refer it to public health, and they're going to issue the citation because this is a health emergency, not a, not a safety emergency. Uh, so we have to distinguish. Um, Nick, yes, so, uh, how many how many phone calls are you making during a day? Sometimes it can be very little, and it's more uh, just trying to find the person. I've had difficulty with that where I just have a name and a date of birth and we don't know where they live or we know where they've been. So one gentleman, I had to go looking for him at St. Joe's to try and make contact with him and wasn't able to, to give him quarantine guidelines. But yesterday I was on and off the phone the whole day. At one point I took a quick break just to walk over to the police department just to give Lieutenant message, I probably could have just sent over text, but I needed a some breathing <laughs> room. Out there. <laughs> needed to stretch the legs. Yeah. <laughs> um so I don't want I don't want to put you on the spot, Nick, but you've been over there for a couple of weeks. We sent you over there because the numbers were looming large. What's your feeling? I mean, based on the workload, how do you how do you think we're doing with this right now? I think we need more people working, but the main issue is getting the community to comply with it because you can be on the phone and they can say that they're at home and that they're going to comply and stay in quarantine, but you don't really know. You can't go to their house and say, hey, are you home? It's an invasion of privacy. So I'm hoping that everyone calling and everyone just follows the rules. If if we if I have to stay inside for the rest of the of the winter, which I normally do anyway, <laughs> and everyone and I stay away from, you know, my extended family and my friends, and by spring or summer I can be out and about and go have fun with friends. Why not? One winter. Was yeah. it was it that Kohlberg that that mentioned this thing could be gone in in three weeks if everybody just. It, it could Stay it could really we could really flatten it like just like before we saw that drop off and I think I think in March the reason those cases started going away was probably because of contact tracing and people were listening yeah. because everyone was getting educated even now I find calling some people they don't really understand what quarantine is they think it's stay home but I can go to the grocery store to get food you can't right. you, you never know who who in passing you could possibly spread it to because it can be one person or it can be twelve you it's Yep. I think I think Director Armstrong made the point during a meeting late last week or early this week, uh, or maybe it was Kayla, 
you know, people people acknowledge that they need to be in quarantine. They claim that they're in quarantine, and then they're receiving you know secondhand or thirdhand reports like, well, yeah, they were in quarantine, but they went to the ATM or they went to the pharmacy. Or you're on the phone, you can hear stuff in the background, and you're like, sir, yeah. are you driving? <laughs> That's Where not you're going to. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't. I don't remember Dr. Kohlberg saying three weeks, but certainly, you know, we can slow this thing down, flatten the curve, and stop the spread um, if people comply. And you know, which they're clearly not, based on the numbers. Yeah, COVID fatigue is is very real. Trust me, I get it, got it. Um, but. It, we all have to work together to, to get in front of this thing. The vaccine is going to be a, as a major shift. It's going to help a lot. But, you know, even based on the distribution plans, the, the early distribution plans we're seeing, it's not going to be available to the general public until summer. So, um, you know, we got we got some work ahead of us. And that's hoping it works. So, yeah. Yeah, right. sounds good. Right. 95% efficacy rate. That's that's pretty good numbers. So, so, Nick, you had mentioned yesterday when I was talking to you that you had gotten some experience with actually serving orders. And it kind of goes back to the chief's point about the difference between the function of the police department and the health department. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little, you know, in generalities about, you know, what you what your experience with that is? Sure. I haven't had to serve a court order. I think an inspector would do that. Yeah. But we, the first line of defense for contact tracing is to place a call. And if for some reason you feel that that person isn't going to comply, we we usually email them or mail them a an order. It's a, it's available on the Massachusetts website. Anyone can find it. It just has the guidelines guidelines on it, and the cleaning and disinfecting guidelines. But it, it says on in the first line that you have to stay at home. Yeah. And sometimes people are dodging calls, and you just start to get a feeling that they're not going to stay at home. So I've gone to, like I said, St. Joe's to try and find someone to give him his paperwork. I've gone to Alcove Street, and that's probably going to continue, considering that I would say maybe 25% of my calls, I just don't feel that they're going to comply. They, they say yes, but they go like, yes. Yeah. You know, <laughs> uh, so that's again more more training value yeah. for, for down the road. Yeah. Some something he can look forward to experiencing out in the community on a regular basis. Right, learn some more streets. <laughs> yeah, there's a benefit. <laughs> um, so I I was grabbing my work phone before I I headed downstairs to jump on this and uh got a message from captain grady and it you know i don't i don't think there's any opsec violation we can talk about this now so a question was raised during a task force meeting early this week about um well spot checks compliance checks right obviously the 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 restaurant shut down in november was contentious but it also proved effective um and I, I actually have had the opportunity to be in a couple of restaurants since the reopening. So, you know, much better compliance now than we were seeing um, prior to the shutdown. And 
the question was, how do we know, right? How, how do we know if, if restaurants and, and other establishments are taking this seriously? So after a lot of debate, back and forth, again, public health, not necessarily public safety, we decided that um, a joint team, police, fire, and health, would, would do some drop-ins of retail establishments, uh, gyms, and, and restaurants. And, and they did the first ones last night. Uh, 100% compliance, no, no reported violations. So kudos to our residents in our city for taking it seriously and doing the right thing for yourselves and for your neighbors. That's good news. Yeah. All right. We are coming up on uh, 929 here. Lieutenant, let's get another check of the weather, some PSAs and some station identification, and we'll come back and continue our conversation about contact tracing and other things related to law enforcement in the 21st century. Sounds good. WTBR radar weather for the Pittsfield area today, mostly sunny. Highs in the mid 40s. Southwest wind 10 to 15 miles per hour. Tonight, mostly cloudy. Patchy fog after midnight. Cold with lows around 30. Southwest wind 5 to 10 miles per hour. Saturday, cloudy. Patchy fog in the morning. A chance of rain in the morning, then rain likely in the afternoon. Highs in the lower 40s. Southeast wind 5 to 10 miles per hour. Chance of rain 60%. Weather forecasts for WTBRFM are provided by the National Weather Service. Hi, this is Officer Darren Derby with the Pittsfield Police Department. Better weather is around the corner. Expect an increase in the number of pedestrians on walkways, cyclists sharing our roads, and kids playing outside. It is imperative we all pay better attention while driving, walking, running, and cycling. So we need to do our part in keeping everyone safe by adhering to the rules of the road. Wear bright clothing if you are walking or running. If you are driving, please slow down and don't drive while distracted. Pay attention. Let's keep each other safe. This message is brought to you by the Pittsfield Police Department in cooperation with WTBR-FM. Support for WTBR comes from Greylock Federal Credit Union. Proud to support high school arts and sports programs to help our community thrive. Greylock Federal Credit Union, with locations throughout the Berkshires and online at greylock.org. And from BeFair, one of the largest premier human service agencies in Berkshire County. If you're looking for services for a loved one or are interested in caring for the people they support, visit BeFair.org today for available opportunities. PCTV and WTBR are committed to serving our community in this difficult time. We will bring you live coverage of press conferences and official statements from our government officials on PCTV CityLink Channel 1303, on the Pittsfield Community Television Facebook page, and on WTBR as they happen and as we are able to do so. Please stay tuned to our channels and our social media for updates on press conferences and other important information pertaining to the ongoing pandemic. Well... I think the message about being safe and being visible is good any time of year. That's right. That, that, and technically speaking, of Officer Derby's not wrong. <laughs> it is supposed to be warmer tomorrow. <laughs> we, we need to date stamp that PSA <laughs> temporarily. Every time, we, every time we wrap up a show, we have a conversation with the PCTV staff. We're like, yeah, we got to figure out a way to like sort this cart and date stamp these. And we never do it. <laughs> yeah. Well... That's all right. I, th I think the goal is is fresh 
PSAs, um, but we'll get there. We're definitely going to have to send Darren and, and Sergeant Madalena out to record some new PSAs. Yep. We probably can record the PSAs ourselves and just ship them the files, right? We'll have to figure out what they need for us to do that. Yeah. I had I had to record a video yesterday uh, for something related to my involvement in fight crime investing kids, and I couldn't email the video to my counterpart Michael Berg because our our technology limitation. Well, no. It's our security, our technology security won't allow files of a certain size through our server. So that was um, that was fun. I had to put it in a Google Drive and then send them the link. So there's an idea. Video PSAs. Video PSAs. You know, we would have to do that here, though, be, you know, to have the, the reader. Not necessarily. Live from the cruiser. <laughs> Not necessarily. Don't forget, Lieutenant, we invested in some tech, right? We got the camera. No, but the, 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 you know, so you're not looking down at index card or you don't have to memorize Oh, yeah. It, you know. But. Yeah. Maybe that, so we've, we've, got a, we've got the camera. We've got the step and repeat backdrop. We've got the mics. We're working on the junction box. Maybe we should buy a teleprompter. I didn't know anything you just said. Teleprompt, yeah, that's that's the word I was looking for. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Nick, th this is something that uh, you should be thankful that you know early in your career you don't know any of this, uh, because two years ago I didn't know any of this, and I've been doing you know my job for a long time. But, Lieutenant, you you took that road trip with us, right? It was me, you, and Tommy. Which one? Vermont. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So a few years ago, we had the opportunity to uh, send some people to, to attend some to send some people to attend a training for public information officers uh, with a company that we hadn't done business with in the past. And I've, I've been to a lot of PIO training, but, you know, this one sounded intriguing. So we put the invitation out to command and uh, Lieutenant Traversa and Lieutenant Dolly accepted the, the challenge and uh, my beautiful bride happens to work in public relations media relations and marketing so i talked to the the organizers of the training i was like hey any chance that you know she can sit in and audit this so we headed up to northern vermont for a you know three-day training basically right kind of made a nice little excursion of it and one of the cool things about so i took pio training at the fbi academy with the fbi and i thought that was top-notch and this training that we took in Vermont was on par with the FBI Academy. But one of the parts of the training was they put you in a media conference. And it wasn't like, oh, we're going to simulate putting you in a media conference like we do at the Academy. They set up a media conference, like six cameras, 10 microphones, a backdrop. And they give you a scenario and they're like, OK, you know go out and read your scenario and then when you come back in the room your classmates are going to start peppering you with questions <laughs> it was nerve-wracking but one it, of the things that we picked up in the training is if you're going to do media opportunities and media events particularly as a government agency you really need to keep your own copy of your responses 
because media outlets get to pick and choose the 15 second snippet that they want from what can be a 15 minute media event. And so you want to record it yourself and keep your own copy and you want to make that publicly available. And so after we came back from the training, we had a conversation and, and we invested in broadcast quality equipment that you know we've used for several large scale public gatherings now, right? We do police memorial and a couple of other things. Um, we did our, our rollout of the Vitals app. And so we, we have the equivalent equipment that a, a news agency would bring that we set up a tripod and we set up a camera and we mic up our people and we, uh, you know, we, we, we do our own little version of journalism. But the, the part that I think that probably threw you off, Nick, is so I don't know why this is, I don't know why it's called this. They didn't get into this with us. So you get these great like banner backgrounds that, you know, government agencies have FEMA, the FEMA administrators up there. So that banner background is called a step and repeat. What? I have no idea. Why? That <laughs> <laughs> was what called the curtain. Know, yeah. What I do know is that Lieutenant Traversa and Miss Gregory Bellata did a great job of designing one, and we own one that is actually currently in my garage. Oh, that's why I've yeah. never seen it. That, well, <laughs> you've probably seen it and just not realized it, but it's, it, um, you know, it's just basically yeah. a screen. It's yeah. like. The yeah, it's right back here, the the, the WTVR, but it, you know for the Pittsfield Police, and it's um, it, when you mentioned the road trip, and Nick was saying I didn't know anything that you just said, I had flashbacks to one of my road trips with with you and um, Mike Stebbin <laughs> when I <laughs> when I first when I first came into this position, you know, and I. I I can get myself, you know, five years ago, I could get myself around a computer and I was, you know, fairly proficient. But we, we took a trip out to the eastern part of the state um, for, a, I think it was the Chiefs trade show or something. And um, obviously the chief is technical and Mike Stebbin, you know, it, it was. For our listeners and viewers, Mike I, I was Stebbin. blown away. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Stebbin is the uh, IT director for the city. He previously was the IT director for the police department. Now he's the IT director for the city. Uh, I love him to death, but geek speak, man. <laughs> he, he just had to help me yesterday because I had no idea what I was doing on Outlook. I had to make a schedule, and I had no idea where to start. Yeah, it's, and he just he was like, "Here, it's done." I was like, "Thank you." <laughs> yeah, I, I'll you know, and I I I mean this. As a a hundred percent a compliment to everybody that has, is technically proficient, but sometimes when he or or Gary Munn will get going and I just say, "You're speaking geek," you know. <laughs> I I I love them both, but I affectionately say, you know, those are my nerds. <laughs> I, I'm a nerdy dude, but man, not like that. Yeah, um, we need that now. You know, we absolutely. absolutely. That. Oh my God! Where would we be without those guys? You know, we certainly wouldn't be doing this today. No. <laughs> uh, so Nick, you know, tell us. I don't want to like. We have to be careful here. Right. Tell us about the, tell us about the team over at Public Health. Like, what's the, a day look like? Well, I actually 
work in the public health office, but no one else does right now. They're all working from home. And, okay. and I've met some of them. They're all great. <laughs> but uh, it's we got about, I think, five nurses. We're trying to expand the staff because obviously we're getting so slammed here. And just like the police department, they're having issues hiring for whatever reason. Maybe contact tracing isn't intriguing to many. I, I actually found it very interesting. Well, it's it's really, I mean, you need people quick. It's yeah. not like you can really, I mean, you, pe- you need people that are available, and that's probably not easy. Yeah, and I guess I, it, it is. I mean, it makes it a little easier because you can basically do it at any time of day because you can call someone at 7 at night, and they'll take the call. And you can work from home. I, I have the ability to to access all my information on at home because it's just through the Massachusetts website. Yeah. So it's, it, and I, I had asked uh, this yesterday. I, I was just curious, like, mm-hmm. who's in the office, you know? And because and, and, I had, you had mentioned, you know, it, well, I know Kayla's been working, you know, remotely mm-hmm. a lot. And because um, I, I talk with her regularly. Um, but, you know, that other staff, if, if you're all crowded in the same office right, space, yeah. it's contradictory to what yeah, you're trying exactly. to put out there, right? So yeah. That's working. why it was a little challenging to get me trained up in person. We had to uh, get a conference room, you know, sit on other sides of the table. And even then, honestly, if if I was my own contact tracer and I, I called me to say, hey, like, what'd you do and who are you near? I, I would tell the other person to be in quarantine, too. Yeah. Just even, even possibly in here. It's a small space. There's a screen between us, but we're breathing the same air. Well, I th- no, we're I mean, we're good. We're good. We got the the, sc- the screen is there. <laughs> if we if we took two yardsticks, yeah. I think we'd be right, I, right about where we need to I, be. The point we're at now is just like you can never be too careful. If we have the slightest inkling of you might have been exposed, we just ha- we have to tell you to quarantine. Yeah. We can't take the chance because you can go out and infect who knows who. Yeah. So we didn't, um, I don't think we talked about this last week, and again, I don't, so so a couple of weeks ago, a week, a week and a half ago maybe, we had to convene a small group meeting um, within the task force because the fire department had their first positive test come back. And uh, it, so, you know, it, it actually ended up being a false positive, they, they, subsequently tested the firefighter again um and it and they got negative tests so that it was it it was quite the no pun intended fire alarm for public safety because we were sending people home um but one of the things that came up was you know so the fire service distinctly different than the police department the police service because of congregate living um and they had made a ton of adjustments in the spring, but the reality is you report to work with your group and you're, you're bunking with your engine company, and there's no good way to keep mask usage in place when you're sleeping, right? So uh, in response to this most recent emergency, they basically had to dismantle their bunk rooms and disperse people within each of their stations. Okay, so for our, our viewers and listeners at home, you know, if you've had the opportunity at some point in your life to go tour a fire station there it's fascinating right you know fire fires there's a reason that children love firefighters uh the the station life is is cool but uh you know they're 
each of those engine companies and work groups is like a little family. And so they report to work at the same time. They shift their gear. They move up. They switch out their bunks. And then they're on duty for, you know, 24, 48 hours. And uh, so these guys were potentially exposed to somebody as a result of a, a workplace contact. They did the contact tracing. And because of the way they schedule and work, it went from one to nine, like in minutes. And so now, you know, that's that's a significant force problem for the fire department. It's like it was for us in the spring. So they were making some shifts and they were making some adjustments. And one of the cool parts about going to a fire station is the officers kind of have like their own little, you know, bunk room, their bedroom. They got some space to spread out. But the firefighters, for the most part, have a barracks. They, they live in a room, right? Several bunks, a couple lockers. And so PFD was dismantling their bunk rooms and putting a bed in a study room, a bed in a storeroom a bed in the living room and so they could report to work and be in the same building but not have to sleep in the same room and i felt so bad for these guys because like that's that's part of their culture right they gotta not we've all we've all adjusted in our personal lives but going to work at the ppd other than wearing a mask pretty much the same as going to work at the ppd was last year right you take your temperature when you go to work and you keep a mask on these guys were having a significant disruption in their life. And when I talked to Chief Sammons about it, he said, and this is going to sound callous, and it, it, was, it didn't come off this way. We're blessed that we generally have a, a young, healthy, and fit workforce. And so, well, we're always worried about our people being exposed out there in the community. Chief Sammons' concern was actually that a firefighter would be an asymptomatic carrier and rendering medical aid to somebody who was part of a vulnerable population. And I hadn't thought about that. We're nine months into this and I hadn't really thought about that, right? But our firefighters are first line medical responders. And if you've got a young, fit, healthy firefighter responding to a medical call and, you know, for whatever reason, community spread or they, they were in close contact with somebody in their household, they're carrying the virus, the impact, the potential impact of that is huge. Um, and so they they needed to like rally and, and like make sure that their force was was healthy and uninfected and they are healthy and they are uninfected. But um, it, it really hadn't occurred to me. We look at our workforce protection to protect ourselves from the virus, which is is paramount. But we also have to expand our thinking, you know, what's the potential that we're infecting someone else? And uh, that's that's kind of a view shift that we had to go through last week so contact tracing i can't we know that when we have a, a little bit of a oh, oh no moment and we're firing the emails and the text back and forth with dr colbert what it takes for us because of our schedule and our work groups and you know how quickly that can spread through the department um but our people are generally complying I can't imagine how difficult the contact tracing can be if you're dealing with somebody who doesn't think this is a big deal and they're not complying, right? If, if they're out shopping, they're going to the gym, uh, they're socializing with other family groups. It, what was the number the, the doctor said, Lieutenant? 25? Like the, they're, for planning figures, they're figuring every positive exposure is potentially 25 contacts? Yeah, it was 
you know, mind-blowing when you think about, you know, the the numbers that are on the dashboard now. And then you know? the next day, one of those contacts comes back positive. That's yeah. when it gets interesting. Yeah, and then <laughs> and another twenty-five. And it, it it grows from there. Yeah, it's exponential. Most contacts, it's a simple, easy call. You ask them what they did, and a lot of them they they didn't really interact with the person. So that's it. You're all set. Nothing. But other people, you really have to dig for the information. You have to try and determine were they really close enough. You know, you're doing this over the phone. You can't see where they were or how they were interacting with the person. Yeah. So it's sometimes you just have to play it safe and say, sorry, but you have to quarantine. But luckily, we have new guidelines now. I don't know if Chief and Lieutenant is familiar with that. They're, Go ahead and make us familiar. <laughs> they're, they're coming out of quarantine guidelines? Yes, quarantine. The isolation guidelines remain the same, but the quarantine guidelines, you can essentially be free within uh, eight days, actually. Right. That was the change like yeah. two or three weeks ago, right? This a week and then oh, this a week before that they changed the guidelines again so there's oh, okay. been two guideline changes since i've started we'll see you're catching us up catching me so up Nick, anyway explain them to us because i'm i think i know what they are but our listeners and viewers may not know so if you are a contact and you're in quarantine and you're not sick you, you have to do seven days of strict quarantine and then on day five you have to be tested and if it returns negative you can be free on day eight but you still have to monitor your symptoms for the 14 days because some people do get sick, you know, day 13, but it's the amount of people that are getting sick after that five, 10 day mark is vanishingly small. So, so you test it day five mm -hmm. because, it, and, and as long as you're symptom free at day seven, you're good to at go. At the end of day seven, you're free on day eight. You're yeah. good to go. That's on another eight. thing that people were, we were running into is releasing a day early because they're like, oh, it's day eight. No, you have to finish day eight. And on day nine, you know, gotcha. you're, you're good to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's people, people have trouble with math, date math, right? So mm -hmm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lighten this conversation up a little bit. So, well, this has nothing to do with the COVID virus. So for the last several years um my beautiful bride and i have engaged in a tradition that we call the 12 days of holiday cheer and so essentially for 12 days leading into christmas we switch days and uh each evening for those 12 days one of us creates a holiday themed cocktail and we take the picture of it and post it with the hashtag 12 days of cheer and we've probably been doing this for like six years now and every year we screw up the dates. Right? <laughs> it's 12 days, right? So you take, you know, Christmas is the 25th, subtract 12, you start on the 13th. No, just like Nick said, you start on the 14th if you want day 12 to be on the 25th. If you start on the 13th, it's 13 days. You got to count the date you're on, right? So. I remember when I was going to college a couple of years ago, I had to relearn long division because I forgot how to do it. Everything was on calculators for so long, and they were like, "Okay, take this placement test and do this long division." I was like, "What? <laughs> How? <laughs> what do you mean?" <laughs> I, I've, you know, it's funny because I've had similar conversations with my better half on the date thing that the chief is talking about. It's, you know, that that was three days ago. No, it wasn't. It was four. No, it was three twenty-four hour periods ago. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was just oh the back and forth. <laughs> when you add the 24-hour factor, people lose their minds, right? <laughs> so we, um, 
Yeah, I, I am going to tell this story. Right. So several years ago, prior to the current administration, uh, it, we were in a heated conversation with some of our counterparts in City Hall. And the the genesis of the conversation was they wanted us to change the way we processed overtime so that they could change the way they processed payroll so that everything would be done earlier. And so I'm in a department head meeting and this conversation is going back and forth. And I'm saying to my counterpart, listen, you don't understand. We we work 24 hours a day. It's not the same as, as what you do over there. There's no way we can do the work that we have the admin staff can do the work that we have waiting for us on a Monday morning and have it done by Monday afternoon. It's just not reasonable. And they're like, everybody else does it. And so I, I had to draw a, a calendar for them. And I was like, listen, you go home Friday at four o'clock and Friday at four o'clock, we keep working. And when you come back to work Monday at eight 30, we've worked eight, days and they're like no it's three days and i was like no it's eight days because a day for the city is seven and a half hours and we've had a friday evening shift a friday or a saturday midnight shift saturday days saturday evenings sunday three shifts monday midnights there's eight days eight days worth of work accumulated since you left work on friday and i drew so i drew this out for them and they're like oh yeah so <laughs> So you understand that we can't do eight days worth of work in one day to make you happy? And they're like, we didn't understand. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, every day of the year. Enjoy your weekend. They're visual learners. <laughs> yeah, definitely visual learners. So, Chief, we All have right. uh, five minutes left, just about on the dot. I saw that. I'm missing my... Uh, I'm missing my cultural Pittsfield stuff. I'm going to pull that up. Nick, anything else you want to add? Yeah, I have anything one. you want to tell us? Sure. Um, if anyone's listening, <laughs> uh, just expect weird numbers to be calling you. And most of them will be 413. But if you're getting a call at 6 at night, it's probably not spam anymore. It could be a contact tracer. So don't dodge the call. Keep your voice box, voicemail clear. Set up your voicemail. If you want us to text you, we will. Email is fine, too, but respond. So that, that, that's the big thing, right? If you don't answer the phone, at least have your voicemail set up and, yeah. and not have a full That That happens inbox. often. A lot of people will have a full inbox, but sometimes I'll call a second or third time on another day, and they had cleared it, so then I could leave my wonderful voicemail to call me back. <laughs> I mean, the fact of the matter is there is a lot of, you know, spam calls, marketing yeah. and whatnot. I, out I there. get them while on the phone with other people. I'm like, Who's yeah. this? <laughs> I mean, it's really, it, it, it seems to have, I, I know that some movements were in place to kind of combat that, but it seems to not be going anywhere. Um, yeah. I've been getting a lot of calls myself. So a lot of, if I don't recognize the number, a lot of times I'll let it go to voicemail, mm -hmm. but as long as you have your voicemail set up and please return yeah. the calls, right? You can expect very strange numbers to call you sometimes because like I said, some of the nurses work from home and not obviously not all of them have a work phone. So what we'll use is Google voice and it relays your phone number so that you're not using your personal phone. You don't want to get, you know, your personal life involved. And so 
you could get a weird area code like 312 or something sometimes calling you, but it's actually a public health nurse from Pittsfield calling. And and if they don't answer and they have a voicemail set yeah. up, you will leave a voicemail. Yeah, of I course, assume. of course, yeah. yeah. Okay. Great. Hey, Lieutenant, plans for the weekend? Um, I, I think it's uh, decorating and that sort of thing. You know, I, both both kids are around, so. Um, you know, they're not really going anywhere, so we're going to take Better advantage of it. And, <laughs> you know, it's uh, family time. I think we'll learn how to make fresh pasta this weekend. We actually, really? yeah, from scratch, yeah, I really like to cook. That's awesome. <laughs> my uh, my daughter had made um, popcorn to string popcorn oh, okay. like three nights right. ago. It's still sitting on the counter. <laughs> We're hoping to get the to tree that. is halfway up. <laughs> it is. The, the tree is is it's up with lights on. We we actually we go out in the field, you know, oh, okay. behind our, our property and get a tree and they always look so nice. much smaller in the field. Oh, and then you bring it in and you <laughs> oh, chop God. the top off. <laughs> and it falls. It's 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 a record this year. And thankfully it's kind of a it's tall, but it's kind of sparse. So it was somewhat light. Okay. We were able to maneuver it. Do you ever get any like, rodents jumping out, like a squirrel or anything? Uh, I, I, I threw that one out. I was in there fixing stuff, and I was like, squirrel, squirrel. <laughs> in, in, in my house, I don't have any say in it. The tree goes up the day after Thanksgiving. So we are, uh, we're actually well into our, our holiday decorations. Yeah, over Thanksgiving um, break, I did the same thing. I woke up way too early and couldn't sleep, so I just started setting up the Christmas tree at my parents' house. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so speaking of the holidays, let's take a look at the Office of Cultural Development's newsletter for the week in the brief period that we have left. Uh, IS-183 Art School's virtual holiday pop-up shop. I'm assuming online that doesn't have directions hancock shaker village has got a ton of stuff going on in advance of the holidays and some great sales if you're uh if you're into shaker culture and art i'm a huge fan of uh shaker oval boxes check them out they got a fire pit going and um food trucks out there this weekend go check them out last night was the first night of hanukkah uh, happy hanukkah to our friends listeners and viewers who uh, celebrate the festival of lights um you know it's, it's it's a holiday time of year try to to be blessed and be merry in the few minutes that we've got left or the half few seconds that we have left 20 seconds this has been another new episode of on patrol with the ppd tune in next week uh, we'll be back we don't know what the content of that one will be yet, but between now and next week, you know, be well, stay safe, stay healthy, be kind. Thanks for tuning in.